All right, so a couple things before we get started with this new series that we're going to be doing. Uh, and you didn't see the promo, but I'll give you a heads up. It's called Love, Sex, and Dating. Um, and, but before we get into that, I want to, uh, again, talk through the financial part with you. So every month, we're going to give you where we're at uh, financially. So this is uh, last month's finances. So budget, uh, giving in March, uh, what we were over budget and over budget for the year, and then six uh, new givers. And if you've been coming to Life Church for a while, hearing me say in three sentences in a row over budget, you know, you haven't heard that uh, very often. So we continue to say thank you uh, to everybody who has generously given and to those who um, have come on board to be a part of uh, the mission and vision. The other thing that we're going to add to this um, is this idea of what we're going to be doing on the building fund. So let me update you a little bit. So if you're new with Life Church or you've been coming to Life Church for a while, let me remind you about the vision of this building. So what we said from the beginning that uh, we want to be a church that uses its facility for the community, um, regardless of whether people come to this church or not. Um, And we had some pushback in the beginning because it's like, well, if you're open seven days a week, what's going to happen to the building? And it's going to get ran down faster and like all of that stuff. But we decided from the beginning through the Cafe of Hope, which is open seven days a week, to the community where uh, we can build relationships with people, that we can, you know, serve the community where people can come in and have space uh, to be able to use, um, or if it's Champs Academy where people can come in and work out and build relationships and, and have an opportunity uh, to grow in relationship together. Either one, the church from the beginning said, this is who we want to be. We want to open the church up to the community. We want this to be a community center. Well, what comes with that is obvious. Um, 17 years ago when we made that decision, you know, we knew there would come a time where the roof was going to need to be replaced, and we knew there would come a time where the air conditioners were going to need to be replaced. But over the years, we've just been trying to patch them together. Well, the patching has ran out. So we are going to have to uh, replace those. So we're going to keep this in front of you uh, every month. And so this is what we've done so far with our building project. So we've raised $82,000 towards the goal. This was done um, over the course of when we've been talking about it. And so here's what we're just asking you. If you feel led to be able to give above and beyond towards this project, we would love for you to be able to do it. The way that you can do it is you can go online and you can... uh, click the building fund and you can give there. If you want to give just by a physical check, you can drop it in the box, just write building fund on there. And every month we're going to keep uh, updating you on where we're at uh, from the things that we need to be able to raise just to keep you informed and let you pray through uh, how God's leading you in that way. We'd love to be able to do this, raise money uh, inside of the church and not have to go out to a bank. So we'd love to do that and we're going to keep you posted on how we're doing. Here's the other thing. So, uh, the last 21 days have not went exactly the way uh, that we thought they were going to go. So I shared with you guys, so Easter Sunday, so well, it started really Good Friday. So Good Friday, you know, my wife went into the hospital and she, you know, had been struggling with pneumonia and wasn't getting better. And she went into the hospital and the first and, and part of the reason going into the hospital was like, she needed to get better because we had a trip planned. We were going to go to, to Texas, and we were going to hang out in Texas for a couple of weeks and, you know, and, enjoy each other's company and just take a vacation. And so we had planned that, and then Easter Sunday came, and she was able to come home. But over the last 21 days, Sherry's been 
uh, in the hospital. And uh, we got, which many of you know, or if you don't know, we're going to tell you, Sherry was diagnosed uh, last week with stage four mesothelioma, cancer in her lung and her stomach. Um, and from a doctor's prognosis, you know, there is no cure. You know, the, the cancer is fatal. Um, and again, from the, the doctors, it's like, we can do things. This is what the doctors will tell you. We can do these therapies. And, and they'll say it's to prolong life. And theologically, that's not the way that I believe. I believe God is the author of, you know, the time that we were born to the day that we die and that, that he's in control of, of those things. And, and so when we heard this diagnosis, you know, it's obvious all the things that, that go with it and the, the emotions that go with it. And, you know, somebody who's 49 years old, you know, in your mind, that's not the way it's supposed to work, right? And, um, but with that, we also have said, listen, this is what we believe. And we won't stop believing this, is that the God that was with us in the times before the diagnosis this is the same God that's with us during the diagnosis. And he's the same God that um, we read about in Scripture, that uh, when Hezekiah stood on top of the wall and looked at 200,000 men that were going to overcome their kingdom, that Hezekiah prayed and God answered the prayers. And we believe that in the same God that took a, a, a man who was mute and deaf and blind from the beginning of life and touched him and he was healed, we believe that there was a woman who was bleeding and all she needed to do was touch the hem of the garment of Jesus and she was healed. So we believe that and we will believe that until the day that God takes her home. But with that, we want to have an opportunity to come together as a church for night of worship and a night of healing. So we're going to do that on Friday night. So Friday night at 6.30, we're going to come together here at the church. Um, we're going to have a night of worship and also a night to come together to not only pray over Sherry, you know, and, but pray over anybody that's, that, that uh, God has laid upon their heart to come up and, and trust the same things that we do, that, that God can do whatever God wants to do. He's still in control, even though it doesn't make complete sense. We believe that he is in control and that he's still the same God, you know, and we're going to trust him. We're going to trust him for miracles. And, and I'm going to share this, you know, in, in the thing is, is that, you know, we've prayed before and it's not always come out the way that we wanted it to, but it doesn't change our faith. We still believe. We still believe that he can do, and we'll still continue to pray. And so we'd love for you to come out on Friday night and worship with us and also be a part of, of praying for and laying hands on any of those who uh, feel called to come up to the front and allow, by faith in God, to uh, heal those people. So that's what's going on. A lot of stuff happening uh, uh, or been happening and just wanted to get you guys caught up. The other thing that I want to do is, is that it's hard for, for Sherry and I to quantify um, what your support as a church has meant to us over the past 21 days. Like, it's hard to put words to um, what your prayers and your support and people just showing up at our house and doing things that at the time we didn't know we needed done, but they did it. And, you know, the people that have just, you know, we wish that we could respond back and just be, you know, say thank you to every individual person. And if we could, we would, and we haven't had the opportunity to do, but I want to say thank you. 
you know, on Sherry and I's behalf, for everybody that has prayed and continues to pray, and all of those who have supported us, and those who continue to say, whatever you need, and we believe that, you know, that we have a church family like that. So that's the other thing we want to do, is just say thank you, and continue to pray with us as God continues to do what only he can do. And, and I'm already believing that he's already done miracles, and we'll continue to do them through this whole um, process. All right, so let's get into uh, this new series that we're going to be talking about, Love, Sex, and Dating. Now, a lot of people, when we first put that out, they're like, why that inside of church? Like, isn't there a whole lot of other things to talk about other than those types of things? Well, here's why in the beginning. Because I think one of the things that's happened inside of the Christian culture um, over the past, I don't know, maybe even five to ten years has been we've allowed culture to define things that culture was never meant to define, right? And I think the church has to come back and, and weigh in on what Scripture defines as the rules for love, sex, and dating, right? Because too many times we just let it to whatever culture says, we're just going to let that be, and, you know, we got other things to talk about in the church. And I think the church has to come back and say, if we are going to be Christ-honoring people, he has addressed it, and so let's talk about it. So when we talk about relationships, and when we talk about what love really looks like, and when we talk about what dating really looks like, and when we talk about sex, we need to define it based upon what Scripture says and use that as the defining piece of, of what we do. The other reason was this. So one of the things that I think most of you know, but if you don't, I'll you know, give you the, the heads up. Sherry and I started dating when I was 15. So we've known each other forever. And here was the crazy part. So we talked at it early on in our relationship, like, I'm going to marry you. Like, there's no doubt. And everybody else thought it wasn't going to work. But I'm like, this is going to work. Like, we're getting married. You know, I gave her a promise ring when I was a junior. You know, I went through that whole process. Like, we're going to get this done. And then you know, we end up getting to the place where we're going to get married, you know. And I, like I said, until we were later on in life, I never really thought about this. But we went to the pastor and we like, hey, we want to get married. And they're like, well, what's the date? So we give him the date. And I'm like, is there anything we need to do? And he's like, nope. You just come for a rehearsal night, you know, and you show up and wherever the rehearsal is. And we'll go through what you're going to do. And then you get married. And I'm like, wow, that's easy. You know, and then I, after all of this, I'm like, what the world was that guy thinking? Because he didn't know us. I mean, other than, you know, going to church there, like he didn't know anything about our relationship or any of the things that were going on. So I'm like, now that I know what I know, that's, I can't believe that somebody didn't speak into our lives telling us what relationships look like and what a God-honoring relationship looks like and what do those things mean? I'm just surprised that nobody did that. So that's what we're going to do with this series is be able to, to talk into those things. But I want to kind of give you this backdrop. So one of the things that happens in relationships, and I'm going to, I'm going to you know, pair it with my own relationship with Sherry and help kind of play off of that. But when Sherry and I first started dating, and I think this is a lot of relationships, it starts with this. The reason that I wanted to date Sherry is because she was hot, right? Like, <laughs> nobody really wants to say that, but it really does start with the physical part, like, mm-hmm, right? Like, <laughs> that's where I'm going first, right? So it starts with that, like, that's somebody I'm physically attracted to, and so 
I'm going to go up and talk to them and say, we should probably go out on a date. And then the funny thing that you learn is, is that just physical attraction, you know, without anything else doesn't work. Like you could think a person's hot and then you date them and you're like, holy crap, you could be as good looking as possible. I can't stand you, right? <laughs> like we can't be together if these things don't work. Like you don't have anything, you know, there's no chemistry, none of those things together. So here's how it worked with Sherry and I. So it was like, She's hot, and we're going to date. And then once we started dating, here was the thing that was so awesome. And really, it's been one of the hardest things that since she got the diagnosis, we were best friends, you know, from the beginning. Like, we just did everything together. We loved everything, you know. We loved the same things. And it, it came to this point where, you know, like all of those things that you do when you're single, you know, and you do it with your friends, now you want to do it with the person that you love. Do you know what I mean? Anybody? Right? Like, right? like all of a sudden, you're like, now I have this, but now I want to do it with her. And here, here was what's crazy, and maybe you've experienced this. Once you finally find that compatibility where she's good looking and you're compatible, like the chemistry is good, and you start spending all that time together, and then pretty soon, all of a sudden, you get this, you know, you probably get a text now. Back then, it was just people came up to your face and said, are you whipped or what? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, you never hang out with your friends anymore, and you're always doing everything with Sherry. And I'm like, listen, dude. <laughs> First of all, I love hanging out with her. And second of all, I can kiss her and not you. <laughs> I mean, which one would you choose? I mean, if you have a friend you can make out with and the guys that you can't do, I mean, which one would you pick? So it doesn't, anything about being whipped, it's like, this all makes sense. Like, these are the people that you want to be with. And, and when you have those things, right, um, you, she's good looking and your chemistry is good. You think nothing, right? Your best friends and you're getting along and, you know, you, you love and it goes together. And you're like, what else would you need? You know what I mean? Like, even if somebody would have came to us and been like, well, you really need to understand what it's like to, to be in relationship, and you need to understand what it's like to be married, I'd have been like, oh, man, I got it all. I don't need anything. Right? Because you just have something you don't think can be broken. Right? You have something inside of a relationship that you think you could take on the world. Right? You don't think that there's going to be anything that could ever challenge that relationship. But you know what you find out? Later on in life, when I do marriage counseling with people that have been married and now they're struggling, one of the things that they'll come to me and they're like, listen, we have a marriage problem, you know? And I'll be like, well, let's really talk about this because I hear what you're saying, but here's what's true. You don't have a marriage problem. You have problems that you brought to the marriage that you've never fixed, right? It's not that you have a marriage problem. These problems already existed before you were married, and here's what you thought. When you get together, you'll get them all fixed, right? Like somehow, because now you're living together, or somehow now that you're, you know, spending more time together, all of a sudden, all of those problems are going to get fixed. And you know this, like if you've been in a relationship, there's a while, you know, and different people or different times of how long this goes, but you can put up with those problems for a while until you can't put up with those problems anymore. 
right? Until those problems become something that breaks, and this is the problem. So when all of a sudden one of those two things changes, your looks and your synergy or your compatibility, when one of those two things break, you don't know what to do because you've never worked on what you're supposed to be inside of a relationship, and one of those two things break, then you try to fix it, right? And here's what I've seen with a lot of couples. You know how they try to fix it? You know it's a good idea when your marriage isn't good or maybe one of those things is broke? You know what you should do? You should have kids. Because <laughs> surely that fixes it, right? Like, and you know what's, what's true is, is you know when people said this, well, it fixed it. You know what it fixed? It took the focus off of you. You hear me? So this is what it fixes. So when you're in the room together and there ain't nobody else to talk to or focus on or anything else to do, all of a sudden, all of those problems that you have, you now can pour them in. You can now pour into your kids and you don't have to deal with the problem because you could just use the excuse, oh, we're so busy with our kids. Because anybody that's raised them, those suckers are hard. Right? You know how much time it takes and how much focus it is? And, you know, like, you spend your life trying to make sure that they have everything that you need. And so they are right in this fact. If you have children, you will put your problems on the back burner until, you know what the latest statistics are? You know what the, the, the highest divorce rate, divorce rate that's, that's now become prevalent is when all of the children leave the house and now older couples are getting a divorce. You know why? They have to talk to each other now. They have to be with each other now. They have, to, they have to spend time, and they've never addressed those problems, and now there aren't kids to take off the focus, and now all of a sudden they've got to figure this out, and because they've not done anything about it for a really long time, they end up saying, you know what? The thing that brought us together in the beginning, physical attraction and compatibility, now it's not there, but I found it with somebody else, and then they just start the process over again. I have somebody else that I'm physically attracted to, somebody else that I'm compatible with, and then they just start this whole problem over again because you have to know this, and this is what we're going to focus on, okay? Who is this series for? If you are single, I don't care what age you are, and someday are going to be in a relationship with somebody, you need to hear what we have to say today. If you are dating somebody, right, and you're in relationship with somebody, and you're trying to figure out, is this the one? You need to hear what we're talking about in this series. If you're living with someone and you're trying to figure out whether or not you should marry this person or you should go down these roads, this is a message or a series for you. If you are or have been married and you are in relationship and you're like me, nobody told you how to do it. This is a great series for you to be able to walk through and journey with us on, like, what does God say about all of these things? If you are here and you're like, oh, this is a series I can just, just check out on because our marriage is perfect, you got big problems. <laughs> because ain't nobody, unless you're just way too prideful to look truly in the mirror, could say, I got everything right. Because to the day we stand in front of Jesus Christ, you will not be complete. And you will not be able to love and to do the things that God's called us to do completely until we stand in front of him someday. So here's the focus of today, okay? So you know I said everybody brings, it's not a marriage problem, but everybody brings problems into the marriage. 
right? So what we're going to focus on today, so if you're a young person, if you're married, all those people that we went through, we're going to try to figure out how do you become the person that God wants you to be so that you can be that person to somebody else someday, right? Like, how do you fix this relationship with Christ and all the things that Christ has called you to be so that then you can be that to the person that you are either going to date someday or the person that you're already married to or the person that you're already in relationship with or the person that you're trying to figure out, is this the person that I want to marry? Because believe me, we all have things that we need to work on, right? We all have things that personally we need to do. And, I, and I'm going to talk about this later on in the message But right now, listen to me, if you're at this point where you're engaged or you're serious and you're thinking like, I want to, you know, get married to this person, but as we start going through this list, you're like, wow, a lot of these things this person needs to work on. Let me throw out a warning for you. If you're out there, girls, and you're like, oh, I can fix him. (laughs) Let me give you a little (laughs) look into the future. Maybe for a while, maybe for a while, but reality is you can't fix what God was meant to fix, okay? You can't be God. You can't fix your husband. You know, I say this to married couples. If you want something to change inside of the life of your, your, your husband, give it to the only person who can change it, right? Like you can be a part of that journey, but the only person that fixes that is the one that can completely redo what needs to be done. And so today is about how do we individually look at the things that he's called us to do and how he calls us to love so that then we can be that to other people. Good? Hopefully. We're we're still tracking, right? Like, Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Surprise, that's what we're going to be looking at today. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Um, And again, let me explain to you why 1 Corinthians 13 was written, why Paul talked about it. The Corinthian church was having a huge issue. This was the issue. They, again, they talked about spiritual gifts in 12, and then in 14, they were talking about how they exercise their spiritual gifts. But in 13, Paul was saying, you know what the big problem is? Is even though you guys are exercising your spiritual gifts, and even though you're doing religious things, you're not loving each other. You're not doing them out of love. In fact, what you're doing them out of is selfish motives, right? And so you need to learn what true love really is, and kind of put it to what we're talking about for them, love was like, oh, she's good looking and, you know, we have so much fun together and there's this emotional high that you don't think is going to get any better until something, a bump in the road and you're like, oh, you know, what happened? And then all of a sudden love changes because your situation changed, right? That was the problem with the Corinthian church. Their situation changed and so then their love for other people did too. They didn't understand true love. Because here's what we, if you don't know this, let me tell you this. And if you're a young person, listen to me when, when I'm talking about this. Right now, it's hard to believe that this like feeling that you're having with this person that you're in a relationship with could ever go away, like the feeling of it. But I'm telling you, it can go away. Love is work. It's work. Like, to love somebody well 
you need to work at it and you need to pick somebody that understands how to put in the work. You hear me? Like you need to pick somebody that gets love is not just a feeling and emotions and all things that go. Love is work. The Corinthian church didn't get it. They didn't understand that. They're like, oh, well, this person's not, you know, doing the things that he's supposed to do, so I'm not going to love him. It was all conditional, right? And so Paul was saying we need to learn to love unconditionally. And so that's what 1 Corinthians 13 um, is talking about. So 1 Corinthians 13, let's look at it and see what we can learn from it. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all, of my, uh, all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul starts from the beginning and says, you could have all of these spiritual gifts and you can be doing all of these religious things, but if you don't truly love people, all of those things are meaningless, right? And so then he goes on and says, so now, instead of you wondering, so what is love then? So what is, so the love that he's talking about, define it. So if you could define it, what does that love look like? Well, he goes down and defines it. And this would be the place. So if you're single and you're looking to date somebody, here's a list for you. Okay, so here's what I would tell you. Keep this list with you, right? This is a list that when you're looking for somebody that you want to date someday, you would say this person is already this before I'm in relationship with them, right? Like these are some things that you're hoping for. And if they're not, that they're figuring out how to get to these place, to these things, because this is what true love is. It says that love is patient, Right? And so anybody that's been married for a while would understand that patience is a part of being married. Amen, anyone? Right? Like, and not patience like putting up with them. You know what I mean? Not like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm going to go to that place now where I don't have, like, I'm being patient because I'm not listening. Right? Or I'm being patient because I'm not going to, like, go there. And so I'm not going to retaliate back, but I'm also not going to listen. That's not the patience that he's talking about. He's a patience where he's helping us understand this definition of how God has loved us. Because patience means this, that we could be wronged and have the right to retaliate, but we don't. Right? That's what true patience is. Patience is, you're right. This isn't right. And I want to so much make it right. But you know what? I don't need to. Because true love doesn't have to write that. True love is patient, you know, with those that we're in relationship with, and they show patience. And even though, I mean, you can see this throughout Scripture, right, when it says, you know, if somebody has wronged you, give them your coat. You know, that's like how you normally think. Like, you don't normally think that way. You're like, give them your coat? Are you kidding? Like, give them jail. Like, or give them a beating, or give them something that they deserve. But Patience would say is that we could be wronged, but that's okay, right? Just like Christ did with us. The next one it says is that love is kind. And again, kind is not the opposite of mean. You know what I mean? So it's not like you just don't have to be mean to your spouse. Kind, being kind via what Scripture is saying is you perform acts of goodwill, 
right? Like you, because you love somebody, you're kind to them. So you go out and do things, even though this is, this is the key, because honestly, this is the hardest part. You know, when somebody does something for you, it's easy for you to do something back, right? Like when somebody's kind to you, it's easy for you to go like, oh, and I want to be kind back. And it's like, ooh, la, la, this is so good. But what happens when they don't deserve your kindness? Like what happens when somebody hasn't been kind to you? How will you respond, right? And I say this to, to, to people who are looking for somebody to date. Don't think that this person who you're getting ready to be in relationship He's not kind to anybody else, or she's not kind to anybody else, but somehow in our relationship, oh, he's just the kindest person. I'm like, you're so full of crap. He's just a good faker. I'm just telling you, he's motivated by other things. You know what I mean? Okay, the guys knew what I meant, because all of them smiled. All the guys are like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like, you're motivated because even though you don't know this, they feel like they're getting something in return. But if you don't see them outside of this where they are kind, if they get nothing in return, that's not a kind person. Kind people, acts of goodwill, regardless of what they get back or regardless of what they can get um, in return. It also says that it does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. One of the things that, that we as people need to be careful of is pride right? Like pride is a huge issue in the lives of people. And it really is a struggle. Like anybody that says, oh, I don't struggle with pride, usually is somebody that's very prideful, right? Like it's usually somebody who doesn't recognize that they struggle with pride. Pride is an issue that scripture talks about all the time. And so we need to learn how to not be prideful people. And I I would tell couples and I would tell you individually, you know how you get to the place where you're not prideful? Read the Bible, Because if you read scripture, and so I'll just say this. So guys, think about this for a second. If you read scripture and you look at the responsibility of a man inside of scripture, it is humbling. Like you want to be humbled? (laughs) Read scripture on your responsibility inside of a relationship as a man. It's humbling. I read it all the time and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) if I could ever get it right, because I keep missing the mark, I keep missing the mark. But really, the only way to not be prideful is to look at what Scripture says of our responsibility or the things that God calls us to do and who we are in His eyes, and all of a sudden it humbles us. It's the same thing. You know, wives, women, think about this. If you read the responsibility, because again, not what culture defines, guys. Like, I say this all the time. Don't go what culture defines as a man or culture defines as a woman, but what does Scripture define? It is humbling, what do you ask us to do? And I, and, and I would tell us, if you want to get this right, you got to be able to stay grounded in the Word. In fact, I say this to, to young women all the time that would tell me, I'm looking for the right guy. Right? I'm looking for the right guy. And I said, I'll give you a suggestion. Okay, Here's one of the ways that you'll know. Here's one of the things that you should ask him or one of the things that you should watch inside of his life. Is he in the Word? Do you know more about Scripture than he does? Because scripture says that your future person that you need to be in relationship with needs to be in the word of God. And if you want to encourage them, young ladies, you want to encourage your 
future spouse or somebody you're trying to be, like if you're dating someone right now and you're trying to figure out if he's the right one, like you need to encourage him. You know, you might be an encourage him to go to the gym and encourage him to, you know, achieve his dreams and encourage him to do all of these things. I'm telling you, you know where you encourage him the most? Get in the word. Get to church. Get to the places where the only person that's going to turn that guy into the one that you want him to be is God. Get him there, right? The same with with wives or husbands or, or, or whatever, you know, you have from that relationship. Like, get them, encourage them, be in the Word of God. That's what's going to keep us at the place to be in relationship what we can be to other people. Sherry and I have talked about this numerous times when it comes to relationships. Here's what I know. There's no possible way for me to love my wife the way she deserves unless I'm first in love with my Savior. Amen. You just can't. I mean... First of all, she deserves to be loved so much. (laughs) And I can't give her what she deserves until I've been given it by God through Christ. And that's so important in our relationships, and it's so important for you to understand. If you want to love well, then be filled up with Christ so that you can love the way that the person you're in relationship needs to be. So, next thing that he says is this. It does not dishonor others, and it is not self-seeking. We know this from the beginning of time, that the sin that has been so hard for humans to get over is being self-seeking. Clear back to the Garden of Eden. You know why they chose to eat of the apple, eat of the apples? Because they were self-seeking. We want to have the knowledge, right? We want to have the power. We want to be God. We want to be in control. We're self-seeking. And so If you're looking for, young ladies and young men, if you're looking for somebody to date someday, you're looking for somebody to be in relationship with, find somebody that puts you first. Find somebody that puts you first. I know this might be possible. Find somebody who opens the door for you. Find somebody that pulls out your chair for you. Find somebody who, who honors you for the way that you deserve. And that doesn't mean just when you're dating. Isn't that funny how that works? Like when you're dating, you're always opening the door. Once you already got them, you're like, open your own door. (laughs) Can't you get in the truck yourself? Pull out your chair. What the world, pull out your chair. You know what I mean? Like all of the sudden those things change, but that's lasting. This is what it's saying. We in relationship are to give all of our lives from what we are. We're not supposed to be self-seeking. This is not about us, right? We're supposed to continue to do those things, and that's the way that we show love. It's also, it says, it's not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs. This is a big one. Like, you might not know this if you're young in your relationship because you're thinking it's not possible for this to ever happen because, man, you're just in love. You're going to fight someday. Come on, anybody that's been in a relationship for a while, like, you're going to fight, okay? If you get into these conflicts or you get into these fights and you have somebody that says, do you remember when last week you did? And do you remember when a year ago you did? And you remember when they pull out the little tablet and they start, you know, like. They are not loving you the way that you deserve. Why? Because what if Christ did that to you? What if you went and said, I want to be forgiven? And Jesus is like, well, you remember last week. And you remember the week before. And you remember like, you're just doing it over again. You're just doing it again. Well, no kidding. Right? We're fallen individuals that don't get it right. 
right? Jesus Christ said to us, I will keep no record of wrong. I will forgive you when you ask. And so for us to say to a spouse, well, we'll forgive you when. And when you do, and do you remember when? That's not loving you well. And so when you go to pick somebody to date someday and somebody that you're going to pick for your future husband, you need to look for somebody that is not keeping track of things, that's loving you the way that Christ has loved uh, them and that they need to do that in their lives. And then he also says this, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now listen to me, okay? I'm going to fast forward to all of you guys that are young in your relationships and, and um, are working through all of these things right now. I know this is going to be hard for you to hear. There's going to be a time inside of your marriage where you're going to want to give up. Anybody that's been in relationship, I know you don't want to say it because your spouse is sitting right beside you, you know, and you're afraid to say it, but there have been times everybody has processed this idea It'd be a whole lot easier if, right? It'd be a whole lot easier if. Scripture tells us love in the way that Paul tells us in the Corinthian church what true love really is because it's work never gives up, never. And it will work through challenges that you have. And so I want to encourage you that when you're thinking about this love, that you think about it in a way that you're going to have to work through some things someday, right? That these challenges that are going to come up, because we already know this, right? I've told you this before. You know, Satan's greatest tool and the thing that he's trying to do today more than ever is destroy the family. He wants to destroy the family, the fabric of the family, and he's doing everything possible to destroy the fabric of the family. And he's can because too many times we've believed culture which would say, yeah, like love does give up. Love does fail. Love, you kind of fall out of love, right? Like we want to believe what scripture says, which is love never fails. And then he ends with this. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and will prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And know these three remain, faith hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So here's what I want to end with as the band comes back up. So here's what I want you to think about. So he's saying at the end, and I think this is really profound, because he's talking about, you know, the spiritual gifts, they're all going to go away, and, you know, they have moments in life. But when Paul says this, it's, it rang so true to me, which is this. For when I was a child, I, I acted like a child, Right? And he's saying, that's normal. Like, when I was a child, I acted like a child. Well, here's how children act. Like, if you don't have any, let me give you a little picture of what that looks like. So Hadley, you know, our little granddaughter, when she'll come over to the house, 
you know, it's, it's all about her, right? So like everything's like me, me, you know, and, and, and we give her everything. That's what grandparents get to do. We just give her everything that she wants, you know, so anything that she asked for and it's me and okay, yeah, it is you, right? But here's what's so funny, right? Because we know like it's all about her and, and we're going to revolve around her and that just seems completely normal. And then Ryan comes in, some other grandchild comes in and they come over and then they'll be playing, and they'll fight a little bit over some toys, and then all of a sudden one of them will share with the other one, and then the whole room goes, ah, you know why they do that? Because it ain't normal, <laughs> right? The whole reason the room goes, ah, is because kids are naturally selfish, right? Kids are naturally all about themselves, and they want their things. And so when Paul's like, yeah, when I was a child, I acted like a child, and it was normal. But you know what's not normal? He says, when I became a man, I acted like a man. You know what's the problem today? Too many young men still acting like children. It was okay to be selfish when you were a child, but you're now a man. Act like one. It's not all about you. It's not all about the things that you want and the things that you want to do. It's, it's all of a sudden men think differently. This is what Paul said. You know what, how men think differently? They think of somebody else's needs above their own. That's what men do, right? Stop acting like a child. And you know what? I'm kind of hard on, you know, these 16, 17, 18-year-old people. Like I'm like, Judas, grow up. It ain't about you anymore. Think about somebody other than you. But you know what else is happening today? I know a lot of 30-year-old children and 40-year-old children that have still not figured out life is not about you. It's not about you. From Christ's perspective, men and women, when we grow up, life is no longer about us. Right? It's no longer about us. It's about what he wants for us and how we can give our lives to other people. And he ends it with the three things that we should never forget, faith, hope, and love. And I've always said this, you know, you've heard this mantra if you've come into Life Church for a while. Here's what you'll need to learn inside of relationship. It's not only relationship with God, but this is something that you'll learn in relationship with people. Life's not fair. If you think life is fair, you'll spend your entire life arguing with God because it's not. I'll give you plenty of instances where life is not fair. But this is where faith comes in, right? Is when you recognize life is not fair. Relationships aren't always equal. It doesn't always work out the same. My wife will tell you at times when I wasn't there for her and she was lonely, faith is what held the rock and the foundation in our marriage because she was filled by Jesus when she wasn't filled by me. Life wasn't fair. I should have been there more. I should have done more. I get it, but it doesn't always work that way. Right? That's where faith comes in. We also know when we talk about hope, people are weird, right? Your spouse sometimes is weird. People you're in relationship, weird, right? 
If you don't believe that, you'll spend your entire life arguing with people, right? But here's, here's the thing that we have to process. The hope is through Christ, we can all become like he wants us to become, regardless of where we are in our lives today. And he says, the bottom line is this. Life is not fair. People are weird. But you know what the bottom line is? Love. And if you take that into every relationship that you have, if you build that into every relationship and then all of a sudden you get in a relationship with somebody you want to love for the rest of your life, if love is always the bottom line to the day that God separates you, you will love that person more than you do this day. If love is the bottom line in your relationship, is love is the bottom line in your, in your marriage, is love is the bottom line in the person that you're thinking about being in relationship with, if love is the bottom line, God can do what only he can do. And that's what I pray for you. We stand so I can pray for you here at the end. Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing and, and understanding that um, loving well and understanding what love is is difficult and hard. But we're trusting that through the words of Paul, that we will learn what it means to truly love, that we will learn this idea to love the way that you've loved us, love without reciprocation, love without return, love sacrificially, and that when we do those things and when we work on ourselves, Lord, and we live that way, then when we're in relationship with people, everything will be right. Lord, give us the courage to take a look at ourselves and See if any of those things on those lists we need to work on. Give us the courage to be able to work on those things. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
so as we uh, go out today, I think this could be our anthem, right? That for each one of us individually, outside of the relationships that we're in, could say that. I surrender. I want to know you more, and you can have your way with me. And if that happens individually, then what you can give to a relationship is right and beautiful. And so that should be our prayer. And so a reminder that this Friday night, 6.30, our night of worship and healing, we'd love for you to come and participate in and be a part of. And also uh, next week as we continue on uh, in our series of love, sex, and dating. Thanks for being here with us, and we'll see you guys next week.